That open mouth kiss, Abby. Ah! <laughs> Holy moly. It was very much. It was a lot, wasn't it? Wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Doc. You disintegrated Einstein. Disintegrated Einstein. Einstein. Welcome to Science at the Movies, a podcast that looks at the role of science in some of our best loved and most hated movies. I'm Abby. I'm Frida. And this week's movie is the body horror classic, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. (laughs) I mean, you do like some body horror, don't you? I love it. Um, Sorry, (laughs) not body horror. It's it's good old Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Everybody's favorite <laughs> shrinking favorites. movie. Oh, family favorite. We're going back in time, back to the 80s, back where practical effects made us go, wow, and movies had magic. <laughs> We're talking Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yeah, I'm excited. I hadn't seen this movie in a long time. Me neither. And, well, I, I do... Well, Let's let's give our impressions, our second impressions after the summary, I guess. Mm. Um, <laughs> I want to read a review. Okay. Because we got one. <laughs> 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 Which gives us a total of, is it four? Yeah, I think it's four. <laughs> give, us, give us reviews, please. Please. <gasps> okay, this review is from Mina. It's from Australia. Um, Mina says, go girls. That's us. And what she says is, a shame the podcast app thingo compares you to Dr. Carl. He's an imposter. (laughs) Now, Abby doesn't know who Dr. Carl is. I'm going to explain. No, of course not. I want to explain to Abby who Dr. Carl is and to everybody who's not Australian. Um, Dr. Carl is the preeminent science communicator in Australia. So he's a science popularist. Hang on, that sounds bad. He's a science popularizer. Oh, I just was thinking like of politics, popularist, you know, like Mm. Trump. (laughs) No, he's he's a popularizer of of science, right? And so he he's written like enormous amount of books, um, popularizing science, and he also has a weekly show on Triple J called well it's called dr carl where people call in and ask questions on anything and he'll answer questions on anything but he's not a doctor like science he's not fun fact once i called in a dr carl to ask a question (laughs) are you serious (laughs) yes and my question was because i had a ct scan and um, I really felt like I had wet myself when I did the CT scan. <laughs> and I called up Dr. Carl and I said, why? First of all, they screened the call. They said, what's your question? And I said, why, when you get a CT scan, does it feel like you're wetting yourself? <laughs> and they said, sorry, the question is too specific. <laughs> he can't answer it. And they hung up on me. Oh, no. So do, have you never found out the answer to your question? I have found out. Oh, okay. Okay. Are you it's going con- to tell us? <laughs> <laughs> the answer is the contrast injection. When they inject the contrast into your blood, oh. it feels this warm feeling all the way down your body, which is yeah. akin to if you just peed. It is a weird feeling. 
Anyway, that's the review. Thank you, Mina. Um, I, I get, you know, yes, we are real scientists. Yes, we are. It's real. It's true. We are the rare breed of actual scientists who also like to talk about science, and we think we're pretty good at it. So I get what you're saying, but I do love Dr. Carl. But I do get what you're saying. But I do love Dr. Carl. Yeah. And thank you for the review. And thank can you. people please review I was like, what does it take? We, uh, I think it took us a while to realize that Apple Podcasts don't gather your reviews together and show you just reviews from all across the world. It's it's country specific to whichever Apple you're on. <laughs> I check all the countries. I check all three countries that I think, although I haven't checked like, um, we have a few interesting countries actually that pop up. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to start a thing where I said that I think we should cheers to each country that is listening to us. <laughs> we'll do a different one each episode. And we'll start with the one with the most listeners this episode, and that's America. So how do we, how do we go with cheers in the United States? <laughs> cheers. Cheers. Yeah. Where everybody knows your name. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> cheers, America. Okay, mm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize how um, to shock the kids. Yeah, should we talk about this movie now? Yeah. <laughs> Remind everyone. I really gave... Okay. All right. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is a movie about overbearing, self-absorbed fathers and their downtrodden, <laughs> overshadowed sons desperate to be loved just as they Jesus are. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Okay. 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 All right. I'll start again. All right. It's Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. You know what it is. Let me refresh your memory. Back in the day when it was acceptable to kill bees... We had Rick Moranis <laughs> playing home lab scientist Wayne Zielinski, trying to change the world with his shrinking machine. It is failing to work, and he is a laughing stock. However, while he is out getting laughed at at a presentation, the neighbor's youngest son, Ron Thompson, I must have... Did I mention his neighbors is like Russ Thompson doesn't like him anyway. So his neighbor's <laughs> youngest son, Ron, accidentally hits a baseball through the window of the attic lab, unknowingly triggering the machine and fixing the fault simultaneously. When he heads up there to retrieve it with Nick Zielinski, they're both shrunk down to a minuscule size. When courting teenagers Amy Zielinski and little Russ Thompson go up to investigate, they are shrunk as well. After the four of them end up in the rubbish bin at the side of the road, don't worry about the plot point, <laughs> they have to make their way through the garden where the cookies are giant, but so are the ants. And we don't need to mention the scorpion, do we? We all remember it. It's a warm, warm hug of practical effects and giant set pieces. It's a jungle out there. <laughs> so it's been many years since we saw it. Um, mm. What was the experience like for you? It's so fun. It's so stupid. Like, it's so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> it's 100% so fun. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess, it's I, all, yeah, it's stupid. I mean. No, come on. It's really stupid. But like, it's, <laughs> it's okay that it's stupid. Like, it's not, it's not one of those like, oh, my God, this is terrible. Like, it's like, this is stupid, but I'm enjoying every moment of every bit of stupid. It's fine. <laughs> See, I've been spending all weekend with a measuring tape and tiny objects. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so really glad you did that. 
<laughs> my perspective is somewhat warped, <laughs> which will happen. Which will happen when you when you when you start spiraling down a subreddit toilet bowl of honey I shrunk the kids science. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> All right, fun fact: the movie was originally written for Chevy Chase. Comedian, oh, I actually. could see that. As okay, go on. Oh well, you can. And well, then it was given to John Candy, and John Candy said, "How about Rick Moranis?" Because they were both in Spaceballs before this. And John Candy's like, "I think you need to check out this guy, Rick Moranis. I think that he would be great in it." And thus, Rick Moranis got the job. Hey, two things in that. Firstly, when you said Chevy Chase, I assumed you meant for the neighbor. Oh, yeah. I don't know why not not for like Zelensky. Uh, secondly, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I will find a way for us to do Spaceball someday. <laughs> I will find a way. It's one of my favorite movies. I hope I we find it. a way. Um, I think that would be fun. It would be funner than doing Star Wars, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> just had to take a little poke. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What what other little facts about this movie? Um. It had a few other names in in uh, as contenders for the movie. Um, it was going to be called Teeny Weenies. <laughs> and I'm really glad it wasn't. No. Um, then they changed it to Grounded for some appeal mm. for teenagers. And then I think there was something like In the Backyard or Down in the Backyard or something like that. Oh, okay. And eventually they just took a line from the movie, which isn't actually a line from the movie, but Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. He doesn't say that. He says, I shrunk the kids. There isn't a honey. <clears throat> oh, I didn't even notice that. Well, I did. I was fucking pissed off. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Cast. Well, I'm just going to also say that the people that wrote it actually were, like, originally writers of pulpy horror films from the 80s. And oh. so it's possible that they wrote this movie to kind of give something a little bit more that their kids could watch because it, it does okay. have that kind of, you know, crazy mad scientist experiment gone wrong element, except the horror is sort of super contained into, oh, this and Well, that you being. could, I mean, you can actually see how easy it would be to remake this movie entirely as a horror movie. Yeah, like the father's about to eat the kid. With the Cheerios. Oh my god, I know. <laughs> if he had, I would have a horror movie. God. <laughs> Could you imagine if he had to be pooped out by his father? Stop it. <laughs> we were all thinking it. Alright, who's the cast? Rick Moranis, we've already mentioned. His wife is played by Marsha Strassman. And him and his wife are like somewhat estranged. It seems like, you know... He's been very, very wrapped up in his experiment. And he's forgetting about everybody and neglecting everything. And I think she's the breadwinner. She has to work, Abby. She has to work. Yeah. It's a disgrace. <laughs> the kids, the kids are played by, they're Nick and Amy, and they're played by Amy O'Neill and Robert Oliveri, who looks so much like little Rick Moranis. It's I know, it's crazy. Crazy. Good casting. The Thompsons, Matt Frewer and Kristen Sutherland play Russ and Mae Thompson. And their son, Little Russ, is played by Thomas Wilson Brown, who has such a familiar look about him, but it doesn't seem to have been in anything else. Oh. Um, 
and Jared Rushton play the kind of, um, uh, how would you call it, jockey, jockey son. Like the big yeah. jockey son that the son that the dad is really proud of. And little Russ Thompson is kind of um, not into sports and sort of endlessly disappointing his father. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's, that's the cast. Can we just, because we brought up Rick Moranis in Ghostbusters, but we had no time. It was like right, right. at the end. We were like, shit, Rick Moranis. So I thought, let's give a little Rick Moranis yeah. moment. Um, yeah, 100%. Rick, we need a Rick Moranis moment. I just have like two facts about him I wanted to say. Oh, yeah, cool. And then if there's anything else you want to gush about him. Mm-hmm. So obviously he's a huge, he was like a huge star, like huge in the late 80s. But I think you might have even mentioned this in Ghostbusters. I'm unsure. Did you mention this, that his wife died of cancer in 1992? No, I didn't. No, okay. So his wife did die of cancer in 1992. It's like at the peak of his fame. And Aww. and so eventually he left public life to take care of his uh, children, which is why, you know, by the end of the 90s, he was gone from all movies. And here's a quote from him. He says, I'm a single parent and I just found it was too difficult to manage to raise my kids and to do the traveling involved in making movies. So I took a little bit of a break and a little bit of a break turned into a longer break. And then I found I didn't really miss it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's it. And so he stopped acting. That's that's not because I think so many times we see people like that and it, and you kind of go like, oh, what happened to them? And, you know, they didn't get the roles anymore and they Harvey didn't this Weinstein. and that. And it's like, it's, <laughs> stop it. It's usually his it's, um, Yeah, <laughs> But it, it's, oh my God, it's all going downhill. <laughs> but I just think it's really nice to kind of address sometimes that like somebody can be talented and choose to not want that type of a life. Yeah. Just because you're good at it doesn't mean you have to do it. That's right. You know? So, yeah, I think that's nice that he made that choice for himself. And we I... have some absolutely fantastic memories that he's given us anyway, for sure. Yeah. And to a degree, I mean, there's a there's a timeliness to this movie just because of those practical effects. But there's also a timelessness to it because... Mm. Family, I don't know, it's about family values. I don't know. Um, it's yeah. about m- magical, weird, fantastical things. And that's always fun. All right. Ne- next fact about Rick Moranis was that <laughs> on October, I should not laugh, but come on, it's too much. On October the 1st, 2020. Remember that? Remember 2020? Yeah. At about 7.30 a.m. This is the thing that I did say at Ghostbusters. Go oh, on. he was punched in the head in New York City. Yeah. Oh, okay. Why are you laughing? He was just walking down the street and some random dude walking past him punched him in the head. And the internet went crazy because it's like, how fucking dare you punch Rick Moranis? Who the fuck are you? We will hunt you down. Yeah, he's 67. Random crime. Nothing to do with the fact that um, he's not punchable. So it was random. He was punched in the head. So they did get the guy. So you love Rick Moranis. I do. He's great in everything. Spaceballs is genuinely one of my favorite movies. I never watched Star Wars, but I watched Spaceballs. <laughs> People would say things about Star Wars and I knew what they were talking about because I'd watched Spaceballs so many times. <laughs> Let's quote I've the seen sound. Star Wars now. I just, yeah. I just want to say I have seen Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I sort of had also this movie reminded me what John Candy was in Spaceballs. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. <laughs> so good. 
It's so good. Um, <gasps> so yeah, that's Rick Moranis and little Rick Moranis moment. Cheers, Rick Moranis. Have another drink. Um, there was just there's other cast members. Can can mm. I? I want to get to the cast members in a little bit because I have a really neat segue. Okay, cool. So I'm going to put that after. But um, do you have any f- funny favorite moments or anything like that? I, I did. Yeah. What I absolutely adore is um, it's when when Zelensky go, realizes, oh, something funky is happening. And he goes to the end of the garden to check the garbage bag, has his little epiphany moment turns around to walk back up the garden and is like, oh crap. And then just Rick Moranis climbing on the fence up the garden. (laughs) I couldn't stop laughing at it. It just made me think of theatre direction. It just, the way that they would direct people to around each other as if they were on a stage. And it's just beautiful. Absolutely fucking beautiful. How about the classic, um, just like suspended with the, yeah. I don't even know how to explain it, but like looking, I, I don't even know how to explain it, but when him and the wife are both doing it, yeah. Nick, Amy. <laughs> what a classic moment. I actually oh, found great. the neighbours, the, the May and Russ Thompson to be absolutely hilarious. Every mm. time you see, first of all, Mae Thompson keeps like, she's she's like constantly like shopping bags, unpacking them. or And, and Russ Thompson is like, he passes by with skis, then a golf. And like, they're just constantly <laughs> like, where are these people, these white Stop. people? And I even love the um, the letterboxes right at the beginning where you see yeah. Thompson. And then it's like, Zelensky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just every little thing about them is so, so good. Yeah. Uh, I also just want to mention about um, the dad. The guy who plays Russ Thompson, the neighbor's dad. What's his name again? Matt Frewer. Okay. It's like he plays this totally unlikable person in the most likable way imaginable. He's kind of lovable. He's lovably yeah. horrible, if that makes sense. Yeah. Magically. I think it might be the messy hair even. Like, the he's so goofy that even when he's being horrible, you kind of can't stop. He's just so funny. And the wife keeps making these comments of like, honey, there's a few things about your behavior like you need to know about. Like, it's yeah. not working. Like, the way he's trying to be like, oh, and she's like, like, you, you need to... <laughs> No, you're right. I think I think it's like it's that thing where it's like he's really unlikable, but he's also really oblivious. Yeah. So then when it's brought to his attention a little bit, he kind of becomes a bit likable and a kind of like, oh, wait, what? I'm the odd one out. I thought you were all crazy and I was normal. Yes, exactly. I'm the one. And he has this hero moment at the end, which is like he's been acting all tough. And it was like, oh, here's my chance to really be tough. If I'm gonna be or act or tough, let me at least, let me at least do something brave. Um, as she leads me into talking about the themes, <laughs> it leads me into it because I never noticed this the first time. Obviously, why would I ever notice this the first time? But I noticed this immediately about this movie is that he is constantly on his son's case about being smaller. Okay, he's too small for football and 
and he makes his son feel small and even the wife makes a comment and she makes her fingers like little and she goes when you say things like that you make him feel this big and I was like oh <laughs> and even like they shoot the camera angles like in the scene where he's trying to get him to lift weights to be bigger they're like shooting it like the hobbit to make the kid look as small as possible um and then what happens what happens at the end did you notice what happens when when Old Russ Thompson shrinks down to test it and then comes back up. Did you notice the little, what happens to him? A little no. bit of, with the hat. He's slightly no. smaller than before. He puts his hat on and his hat oh, is yes, too big. Oh, yes, yes, sorry, yes, yeah. So he's like, he's now a little bit smaller. And I feel oh, like okay. there's something brewing there about being made to feel small and um, and also Rick Moranis' character kind of does that to Nick, this little kid. He's like, oh, Dad, I'm like you, see, you know? And he goes, yeah, 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 go go and mow the lawn or help your sister. Um, and he makes him feel small. And it's like all these kids, you are giggling over there, but yeah. they're all being made to feel small. Um, and then they become really small. And... <laughs> Um, what do you think about my thoughts? <laughs> I'm giggling because I originally wrote it down as my trope. <laughs> oh, shit. That's funny because now we'll lead back in. Welcome to our first section. Trope of the week. No, Abby. it's not. I didn't, I didn't write it as my trope anymore. I changed my trope, but I did originally write it down as my trope. I was yeah. like, oh, they're trying to set up this thing about like this theme of like making them feel small and then they're being small, but they never really follow through on they, it. Like, they it never was, really, yeah. They never really it, learn it, a lesson about, well, I guess they're like being brave and being strong has very little to do with your size. I think yeah. that's the point. You can be small in stature and still be brave yeah. and strong. I think that's kind of the point. Um, <laughs> that's just really funny that you... <laughs> that is so funny. I just... <laughs> but I've crossed the boundary into tropes, and so we're going to stay mm. here. I'm not going back. Trope of the week, Abby. So that was yes. going to be your trope of the week. What yep. is your trope of the week as it stands? <laughs> I have labeled, I have named this trope the Pee-wee Herman House. You'll need to refresh my memory. Do you not know? Do you not? Are you not remembering Pee Wee Herman? Oh my! God. I know Pee Wee Herman, and I know he's talking. He's got his talking. It's the gadgets. Gadgets. Oh it's the God. house full of all these like zany gadgets <laughs> of how to make the toast and how to like you're gonna like you know get it's like it's like the version of robots make your breakfast, but through zany wires and <laughs> things that flip over and. Yeah. It's just like the whole house. And I'm like, none of this is necessary. Like none of, <laughs> half of these things are not helpful at all. Why are they here? Why are you using them? What is going on? Surely this is actually making your lives a lot harder because they're probably breaking all the time and don't work. And it would be quicker for you to just pick up the phone. You don't need a thing to help you do it. <laughs> Oh, it actually burns the toast, like the toast machine, which burns the toast. <laughs> That's and it's just this idea that like if you're if you're a zany scientist who works at home, then you must have all these kooky gadgets around the place because you figured out all these ways to make these shortcuts. It's just like, who does that? Can I name you some of the kooky gadgets in my house, Abby? Because oh, I've go got a few. Then. 
Yeah. Have you Wait. fucking made them yourself? No, it's my partner. Yeah, so it's my partner. Oh, okay. <laughs> Go on. He made a doorbell. We have a doorbell that he made that rings through our Google Home number one and it's like this little red dot that people are like i think this is a doorbell let me press the red (laughs) he has made also a lot of sensor lamps throughout the house that he's made out of various objects that will light up as you walk past them um why Because, Abby, like some people are kind of really a little bit like that, I think. (laughs) But anyway, okay, can I tell you my trope? Okay. Yeah, please do. (laughs) It's funny, the moon is like, so the same size. And look at the stars and leading into, I'm going to, I want to kiss you. So I'm going to make a comment about the moon and the stars. I don't really, it's not worded so well, but the trope is talking about the moon or the stars because I'm trying to move in. (laughs) And it's always like, it's funny. What's funny? The moon, no matter where you are, it always looks the same or how big you are or whatever. And then it leads, like, I had a few other little candidates for it, but I was like, eh, I'll pick that one. Because it it is a little bit stomach turning, you know, when I'm like, ugh. You sleaze, Amy. You sleaze bag. But he was like, are you warm enough? Are you going to be warm enough? She's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> good night. <Yeah. laughs> but then she's like, oh, maybe I, oh, maybe I do want to. How do I get back in there? Oh, the moon. <laughs> good tropes. Um, oh, my God. I would love to start talking about science oh god all right look the, our first section we're I can talking... do the, no it's good i'm ready i'm ready i'm ready you're ready okay i'm ready just take a sip of wine i'm good segueing from your practical your practical um um impra- practically impractical gadgets around the house um he's got his home lab <laughs> environment where he's doing his science firstly why is he at home has he been fired right who does that kind of work from home? Without any safety what? glasses. Yeah. Oh my God, don't even. I won't, I'm sorry. But yeah, so what is he, he's been fired, but then he's going back to present as a guest. I mean, it doesn't make loads of sense. Oh, is it to the same? I feel like they just didn't really explain that. No. I think it's just the idea was he's just a crazy scientist. Like, I feel like they set it up like, you know, normally what you would see is a guys with their wood shop at home you know Mm. doing the carpentry in the basement or down the tool shed it's that idea but Zelensky's not that type of a guy he's a scientist so that's his tool shed but they're just ignoring the fact that it's insane (laughs) that he would have like this magical self-aligning self-selecting self-firing laser Yes. With zero safety shielding or any mechanisms whatsoever that ensure that it's not operational when he's not there. I mean, and also like similarly, just a few things like that's his experiment that he's doing. Um, 
why is he using like that scale <laughs> to begin his experiment? Why wouldn't he start to do a slightly small scale? They just, they never explain it. No. It's just there's, there's like, uh, I'm sure you'll get to it in a minute, but there's like one line when he's at the presentation um, that I kind of went, oh, that's why he's doing it. But like, it, there was no... Speaking of that conference, so he's being, he's being allowed to speak to them. They obviously oh, are ready. Okay. F- he, that's my reading. I don't know, like it's a lunchtime conference, which... Maybe, you know, you have lunchtime conferences where where people can be invited to speak or maybe they can request to speak, um, maybe to promote their work or I don't know. Who cares? But so that's that's his little lunchtime conference and they're all really mean to him. There's that line that that guy goes, the only thing you're managing to shrink is the size of his audience. <laughs> <laughs> and he ser- obviously has some support over there. Um, what did you think? What did you think of this presentation he gave? But yeah, I just thought it. they just, they portrayed it in exactly what they're trying to do with that movie. It was a room of stuffy old white people yeah, um, in bland colored suits. And then he was the slightly dorky tweed guy. But um, I don't know, there was that one line though where he, the guy comes up afterwards and he's like, you're going to find it hard to convince people without any proof. And it was like, what is he? What is he pitching then? If he yeah, has I no, know. <laughs> if he has happening? no proof, I know he's describing my re- yeah, 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 exactly. Obviously, and how then, did and you then feel he, about it? Well, he makes a comment where he goes, "When Einstein thought up the atomic bomb, did he have proof?" And obviously, he didn't. It was Oppenheimer. Yeah. <laughs> What did I think of the conference was that I looked at the blackboard and I just thought it was really <laughs> funny because... All right, what's on the blackboard? Number one is that... Well, there's like the energy equations on the blackboard. Um, okay. Half MV squared, etc. <clears throat> equals HV or whatever. I don't know. Anyway, it's just the energy equations, but there's something really hilarious on the board to me. And that is it's a ray tracing diagram... Of a double <laughs> convex lens, which which produces an image of the original object, but tiny. <laughs> and so he has his stick figure being like, stick figure, go in there, lens, go out there, now small. <laughs> um, and it made me chuckle. It really made me chuckle. I was looking at something today and I saw the diagram and I was just like I didn't look into it because I was like I'm we uh you told me some stuff to stay away from and I was like I'm just gonna stay away from all the sciencey bits I'm just gonna leave it but I saw a screw I saw an image of it today and I saw that image and I was just like oh it's so cute it's gonna love it I loved it yeah I read the board it basically was like kinetic energy equals potential energy ray tracing look you know what what a fun what a fun little job to do to fill up one of those boards, though. Yeah. Would it give me life? <laughs> we offer our services. We will fill up science boards for people. <laughs> yeah, that, that was all I wanted to say about the conference board. And I think that's all about our environments of science. Um, we've got the university-ish environment. And then we have the home lab. 
And we'll get more into the home lab stuff in the science section, I guess, the technical stuff. But I think we have one scientist to talk about, <laughs> and that is Wayne Zielinski. We have our crazy loner, mad scientist, never seen before in a movie. I can't think of a single yeah. example <laughs> of a male so loner rare. scientist. <laughs> yeah. Even a bit With of a, a hipster too. <laughs> yeah, Rick Moranis is a Jew. He's Hungarian. So Wayne Zelensky. Oh, so we're not doing your section. And now, are the Jews correct? Welcome to my section, are the Jews correct? <laughs> I just think that there's no way Amy is a Jew. She's clearly not. <laughs> so the mother, I would say, is definitely a Gentile. And... Uh, let's call Wayne Zielinski a Jew. Let's do it. And his son, they kind of take after each other. But that's all I have to say. Amy O'Neill, not a Jew. Her hair is way too shiny. And that's that's it for my section. And that was Are the Jews Correct? <laughs> what? Yeah, what did you think about our, our loner, oh our loner mad scientist? I know you're not a fan of the trope. I, oh, so <laughs> it's so. hard because I love Rick Moranis and I love the character in terms of the story and the movie. But because we're a science podcast and we're talking about how scientists are represented, I need to say that while he might be a very absentee father <laughs> with an incredibly supportive wife, despite appearing like she's definitely going to leave him, but also seems like she's just going to leave him and leave him with the kids, which makes no sense to me because he's so freaking impractical. There's like no safety precautions whatsoever. Um, <laughs> there's like weak ass attempts at the whole movie to a not stand and crush the children. They definitely would have crushed and killed the kids a number of times throughout the movie. So I've got like three questions. Why is there no safety shielding or locking mechanism on the laser? Number two, how has he not even questioned the fact that the furniture is missing? Number three, yes. how doesn't he even notice the broken window and the baseball or the fact that shit has gone down in his lab? He is yeah. a bad laser scientist. There is a line <laughs> that he says where he says, somehow, I think it's all my fault. Yes, it is definitely all your fault Somehow. you are an irresponsible dad and an irresponsible scientist and it's worse that you're an irresponsible scientist because it's a job that you have actually been trained to do wow wow but i wow. love rick moranis we love rick moranis but but yes, he's a terrible he scientist terrible scientist <laughs> i thought when the wife was like the chairs are missing she had a look on her face where i thought she was gonna get it but he doesn't question it at all. Where's my chairs? I agree with you. <laughs> How did you feel about him? Sorry, I had my little rant there. What's I loved your rant. I don't think there needs to be any more said about it. No, okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. And it's right. I agree. I agree with you. I want to leave it right there. I was there like Rick Moranis, okay. <laughs> but he did shrink his children. And that is, by all accounts... It's terrible. And yeah. um, speaking of shrinking the children, 
It's time. <laughs> oh my god. I'm so excited. All right, here comes the science and we're playing a we're playing a game. You ready for the game? Yeah. It's called Was It to Scale? Now here's how the game goes, Abby. I'm going to okay. give you items. I'm going to say, was it to scale? And you're going to say yes or no. And if you want, you can offer up an explanation, but no pressure. Okay. I don't want to put you on the spot. Cool. All right. All right. Here's what we gave Joe. It's called, <laughs> was it to scale? Let's go. Number one. You ready? Yeah. Abby, Poland. Was it to scale? Oh, fuck off. Was that a no? <laughs> Fucking pollen. Oh, let me think. Was it to scale? Oh, I'm panicking now. No pressure. No, it was not to scale. All and right. he said that he said it was too big to go up his nose, but then there was bits that were definitely small enough on his jumper to go up his fucking nose. Pollen particles go up to 200 microns, which is smaller than dust and smaller than sand. The human... Uh, trachea diameter is about 1.5 to 2 centimeters scale this down now i'm going to talk about the scale they are a quarter of an inch he says a quarter of an inch wikipedia says it's a quarter of an inch okay now okay. i'm going to i had to struggle a bit with inches but i have this measuring tape that gives me both sides and so i found that really useful here's a quarter of an inch and i'm going to say a bunch of teenagers and a bunch of kids on average are about one and a half meters Therefore, they're scaled down to 250 times. That's what I'm going to be using. They're a quarter of an inch, 250 times. All right, the human trachea is about 1.5 to 2 centimeters. I'm scaling it down 250 times. The trachea is now at large as 80 microns. He definitely cannot inhale pollen. That's correct. <gasps> I'm going to say yes. Yes, it is to scale. <laughs> yes, it's to scale. I full sure was like, Nikki's dead. No way. <laughs> that pollen would have been up his nose and he's dead so yeah. I am very surprised fun fact that I don't have written down but do you know what thunderstorm asthma is or Australian little gift that we have to ourselves thunderstorm asthma is when it's really hot and really windy so it's usually a springtime or changing seasons where it starts the weather starts to become very variable raining sunning raining sunning lots of wind the pollen get burst in the air into much smaller particles and you inhale it more than you would otherwise. And it actually triggers asthma attacks in people that wow. have mild asthma sufferers. Because it's the mild asthma sufferers that have the pollen allergy. You know, the, the okay. pollen allergy and the mild and the asthma, that is pretty mild asthma. Those people do not go around with their medication on them. I'm one of those people. Yeah. But when the thunderstorm asthma um, came around, uh, the pollen particles are much smaller and you inhale it, it triggered asthma attacks and people that did not have their medication resulting in like seven deaths or something like that holy crap all right next question you ready for the next question yes please the cheerio is the cheerios to scale (laughs) he's inside a cheerio abby what's your answer is it to scale go abby oh Uh, no, because I think the Cheerio would be bigger. Cheerio is about half an inch in diameter across. Now, we see his head in the in the middle of the Cheerio, and he's like really barely visible inside the hole of the Cheerio. Now, the head is about one eighth of a body length at that age. The body length is about a quarter of an inch. The head is one over 32 inches. So the head, <laughs> the head 
if you take, and I measured this, I took the photo and I took his head and I took the Cheerio and I figured out if the Cheerio is one half an inch, the head, according to the movie, is about one in 24 inches compared to it's supposed to be one in 32 inches. But you know what? It's such a slim difference. I'm going to say yes. Yes, the Cheerio is to scale. Yes, I think I believe the Cheerio is to scale. Will you give them that? It's one in 24 inches, but the real thing is one in 32 inches. Will you give them that? Fine. In yes. the ba- on the balance. Yes, yes. The yes. Cheerio is the scale. Oh, wonderful. Okay, <laughs> next question. The B is the B to scale. Abby, is the B to scale? Oh, God. Well, you see, given how tiny they have made them, that the B would be bigger. So Thanks. I took the picture and, and where <laughs> Russ Thompson, little Russ Thompson is sort of straddling the abdomen of the bee, one leg on one side, one leg on the other side. Together, his legs could have make up the width of the abdomen. So that was the scale that I went for. All right. Now, the bee. A bee, a pollinator is, let me just look closely. It's about three quarters of an inch in total for a pollinator for a honeybee. And they are about one quarter of an inch. So so. They're about one third of the length of the bee. Would they be able to straddle the abdomen? The bee width. Okay. Now I might have looked up pictures of bees, dead bees, and <laughs> took my tape measure out. The bee width is about one quarter of it of an inch. So it's about one third of the length of the body. And their legs are about one eighth of an inch. So it's about half the total body length for a teenager. Is So it's a one eighth of an inch is his mm-hmm. legs. Putting one leg on one side and one leg on the other side does. Yes, it covers the width of the bee a one quarter inch. Yes, yes, the bee. No, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. (laughs) That one I do not believe. (laughs) All right, this is the next one you asked me to research this. So I'm going to say the distance to the garden. The question is more about how long would it have taken them, the distance to the garden? What is the distance to the garden? Should it have taken that long? Abby, was it a scale? Tell me your answer. Is the I fully do not believe it was. I feel like they should have been able to do that in a couple of hours. And the fact that it was taking them an entire fucking day and night. No. Oh, right. We know that the kid, from the kid, the garden is about 20 meters away. From his measurements, I sort of did a back calculation. So the same scale, I'm going to say 250 scale up brings us five kilometers to the garden. The average mm. human is four kilometers per hour. So it should take 1.25 hours. But that's walking a flat trail from trailhiking.com.au. The speed of an average group of hikers is two kilometers per hour if they're scrambling over large rocks, which they were for some of the time. But even then, a difficult five kilometers should still be two and a half hours. Okay. It was uncharted with rain and bees and things. So two and a half hours is like the most difficult but it's uncharted. So it's like, I was trying to look up, you know, if you're going through the jungle that's uncharted and you're not exactly sure, you know, which way you might have to double back every now and then. So that, you know what? I'm not sure I'm going to leave it up to you given the information that I've just told you. And they're well, picked up by a bee and dropped off God knows where. Given you- that they never appeared to lose their way, they always seem to be going in a straight line. I think that I would at most allow double the time I would at most be like okay maybe you could get up to like maybe four to five hours if you kept having to rest and kept getting lost but I no not not the entire day and night Abby has spoken no no the distance (laughs) to the garden was not to scale was not to scale okay (laughs) 
There's two more. <laughs> okay. Which makes sure I'm not yelling too much. Doesn't matter. All right. Next one. The Lego. Abby, was it to scale? Was the Lego to scale? Abby, go. Give me your answer. Yes. So height from the bottom. So their head is about coming up to the middle of the first hole from the picture. I would say they're standing up next to it and the head comes up just a tiny bit over the middle of the first hole. I went to my son's room. I took out a Lego. I made sure it was blue. It was blue. <laughs> Two by three Lego. What is the height to the middle of the first hole? One quarter inch. So yes, yes, it's a scale. It's absolutely a scale. I, even, I placed my Lego in the garden. I was like, let me just picture this because my garden oh my is, is slightly unkempt like the Zelinskis. <laughs> And I was like, because it's sort of like when they were in the garden on the grass, it go. By the way, I love the movie how you never see you see either the the big human scale, or you hear the see the little people scale. You never see it in the same shots. It's very yeah. clever. Yeah, he sweeps it up. You don't see them in that shot, but you see them holding onto the broom. Anywho, so they'd go down the blade of grass and then like way down where they're in the jungle. And I was like, that just seems a little bit too small. But I spent some time looking at my grass. <laughs> and I have to say, I was like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I kind of see that it kind of gets the dirt. It sort of looks a little bit like if you shrink it all the way down, the dirt kind of looks like a little bit like it could be like that. Anywho's okay. Lego. Okay, last one. All right, this brings me to the final one. The one we've all been waiting for. The ant. Abby, the ant. Come on. Was it to scale? Tell us your answer. Come on. I mean, no. <laughs> Give us a justification. Oh, I don't know if I can because... Wait, let me think. What size would an ant be in compared to a Lego? I can't picture a Lego, that's the problem. <laughs> okay, I had an ant infestation in a cupboard once. They are pretty tiny. But then the kids are way smaller. See, the kids are way smaller than the ant, which means like for him to be on it, it has to be roughly the size of the bee, but a little bit bigger, which would mean that he, the ant would need to be nearly the size of the Lego and he doesn't seem that big. So I, no, no. If you, I would say that if you lay them down alongside the ant, that they'd be like the ant is one and a half times their length. I would say that was a kind of the way I was looking yeah. at the picture. Okay, the ant. Auntie. So the smallest ant ever is the thief ant, at one point five millimeters. No, no, no! Don't tell me what the smallest ant ever was. Tell me what this ant was. Okay, I'm gonna say this was a carpenter ant, given the shape of the okay. body. And the oh, movie... sorry, sorry. You have other no. Do your bit then. <laughs> Oh, don't you worry. Know what type of ant it is? <laughs> Given the shape, I should of... have trusted you. I am sorry. Please oh, continue. This far. It's set in Fresno, California. It's supposed to be set. I know it's actually in New Mexico, but it isn't a real ant. It's set in <laughs> Fresno, California, and carpenter ants are common backyard ants. I looked at all the backyard ants that are found in Fresno, California, and it's definitely a carpenter ant. Carpenter ants are really big. And there's something really interesting about carpenter ants is they do not have big colonies at all. So it's totally plausible that and that it would be by itself. And quote, unquote, they are fond of anything sweet. <laughs> so the carpenter ant is a quarter inch to a half inch. That is what it says on the website. I just want to say that the fact that they think he's a baby ant is insane. 
what's a baby ant is larvae, larvae, and it matures into something called <gasps> papa, pupa, papa, which are in cocoons for 21 days. And then they emerge from that as just a fucking ant. Okay, it's not a baby ant. Jesus Christ. So anyway, carpet ants are really, really big, a quarter inch to half an inch high. And so if you have the kids lying down, like I said, the ant can be double or less. So I think, yes, yes, the ad is to no. scale. Yes, the ad is no. to scale. However, Abby, I'm segueing into something. Okay. This brings me on to a topic about the shrinking ray. Okay, Zelensky's shrinking rate, he says this in the conference, that it removes the space between the atoms or in the atoms, whatever the fuck it is. That means the mass would not have yeah. changed. Yeah. They would not be able to ride the ant. Am I wrong here? Am I missing no, something? I, no, you're so right. They might not even be able to walk in the earth. Yeah, go on. <laughs> well, because they'd sink, wouldn't they? I agree. This thing, I didn't look into any of this because we talked about this. I was like, I'm not looking at any scales. I'm not looking at any of the shrinking stuff. But he, the only explanation he gives in the whole fucking thing is that um, he's reducing the empty space in the atom, the empty space between atoms. So it's like, well, if you're reducing empty space, you're not removing anything. Therefore, the size gets smaller, the mass remains the same. So the density increases. And if the density increases, then you're not, you're, the ante is dead. Ante is as dead as if I squished him right now. <laughs> yeah. And on the legs thing, because I did, I, I just, I was like, this was a minefield. Because I did actually spend a bit of time with different scientists over the weekend because that's just my friends. And everybody was like... Because you live in Australia, which isn't still under lockdown. Yeah, that too. continue. (laughs) I'm cool combined with Australia isn't in lockdown equals... I spent a lot of time with scientists and it was like people were falling over themselves to give their honey, I shrunk the kids theories. (laughs) With great passion. Um... And I got some really good ones. Yeah, so the legs, so our, our feet, the, the width of our feet, the surface area of our feet are designed to bear the weight of our bodies in that distribution. Yeah. Similarly, like if you lay on a bed of nails, if you stepped on a nail, it goes straight through your leg. But if you spread out all the way over a bed of nails and like every bit of your body is like taking less of the gravitational like pull yeah. uh, of your body. And so it wouldn't scratch you as much. So similarly, if those teeny feet, 250 times smaller, are bearing the weight of a kid, 50 kilos or whatever it is, 40 kilos, of course, they're squishing the ground. They wouldn't be able to walk. They wouldn't be able would to they, walk. Would they break their own ankles? Oh, yeah, just oh, by just like a bar, like Barbie. It's just like yeah. a Barbie conversation. Barbie's proportions. She wouldn't yeah. be able to. She would fall <laughs> over. Yeah, I, I had another one which was lungs. I thought about this because mm. I know that baby lungs, like if you're born too early, you you can't. Your lungs aren't useful. But I, then I really it was because you haven't developed that sort of sticky stuff on the surface of the lungs yet. Um, it isn't to do with size, but it just made me think like if, if we're right about the densities increasing of the, the, the the massive particles that make up the atoms, 
then it would take a lot of pressure to inflate lungs. And because they're smaller, there's less molecules going inside. There's no way that they'd be able to inflate their lungs. They would collapse like, like, like as if they were made of iron. They wouldn't be able to breathe. That was, they wouldn't be able to maintain the pressure in the little air sacs, I don't think. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even think about that at all. Like, this is all the physical effects, but I want you to talk about, like, where is he removing space? And, like, what do we know about atoms and molecules and things like that? And what would that mean? Yeah. And that's, and that's that. firstly, the whole idea about the atom is mostly empty space is not really true as we know it anymore. That's actually from Bohr's model of, of the atom. With, oh, the, yes. with the nucleus and electrons, like, spinning around like Saturn's rings. We don't yeah. really understand electrons to behave like that anymore. It's Well, we have now the quantum understanding of things where it's more like a, a cloud. It's like, right. a, it's, like a, it's like a fog and it's spread over a particular volume, uh, not like maintaining a distance, an exact distance. So fuck yeah. that is what I have to say. <laughs> But then between (laughs) atoms, we can talk about distance between atoms. The distance between – and by the way, this is really not my area. But I did spend a weekend with two chemical engineers. So I I was like – but do you know what? I was like I couldn't understand a lot of what they were shouting at me. It was really hard. I was like, van der Waals forces, okay, what's next? And it was was a bit of a panic. But what they did say was the distance between atoms is determined by bond length – Right. And bond length is proportional to bond order, which is to do with the, the number of electrons. So it's sort of intrinsic to the size of the atom is the bond length. So that's indicated by the structure of the atoms. I am unsure how to change that. But um, if you were going to un- change any of these things, any of these like fundamental forces, you would have to apply a lot of energy in order to overcome them, like the laser right. does. But I think that you would have to keep it under a constant application of the laser in order to maintain the state. And as soon as you remove it, it would revert to its original state of whatever everything existed, equilibrium that it clearly exists at. Um, right. So I think that, well, uh, that kind of brings me to the laser, really. And that was the whole <laughs> point of that entire sequence was here we are at Laser Town. Well, yeah, I mean, even just like the repulsive forces between atoms and then like we talked about the Coulomb barrier last week for fusion. So it's like trying to get rid of this space has other effects. Like you can't just get rid of the space between atoms, I say in inverted commas, and not change the structure of the bonds between the atoms and what's happening and and what you know what those connections are and you're just like oh everything is now just small it's like it's just it makes i can't see how that makes sense yeah me neither especially if you think about the idea that if you're just removing space and not mass so you're increasing density can you think of any single instance where this is an advantage what object do you have any object that you can think of where shrinking it down is useful i actually can't especially because (laughs) if the weight is the same he hasn't solved a single problem right in the conference he's like oh we can transport things no you can't it's the same weight 
So <laughs> exactly. So that brings it you to why it costs the same amount to launch it into space. So this whole one line that he says about like the why it's why it could be useful is for flights to the space station, and you're like, but no, it's but not. No. Exactly. Yeah. So like you might you might be able to store more stuff, but anyway, Fuck I was just shit. curious about that because I couldn't think of anything. I was like, I can't think of any reason why this is useful. <laughs> What, paper towels. I'm just trying to think of like a packet of uh, toilet paper, like things that are light but bulky. Tissues, right. like maybe that. But yeah, uh, why? How? Um, I agree. Yeah, there's no, there's no use. There's no, it's useless. <laughs> All right, let, now though. we can discuss the laser. So we yeah, have, okay. here comes the science moment at the end was like, Oh, the baseball, we just have to mention it, okay, whatever. But, like, the baseball blocked the laser and it reduced, it attenuated, would you call the word, the laser. And so that it wasn't blowing them up. It was just doing its job. And that was, like, the big explanation about the laser. What what about the laser for you, about this massive laser? <laughs> Two things with the laser. I mean... One is just the bit at the end, which is the standard thing I think everyone who's seen this movie says. It's like, why would you not test it once more on an apple to make sure it works before you actually test it on the fucking neighbor? That's insane. But it's also like my biggest thing with the laser is how is it catching the things that it's catching and nothing else around them? How is it knowing this is the shape of the couch? This is the shape of two human beings standing next to each other. But I'm not going to, like, the ray is not going to, it manages to go out and envelop the object entirely without affecting anything else around it. Explain to me, please, how this laser beam works. Because it's not, it's not what I understand laser beams are and it's not what the lasers in my lab do. Uh, uh, Maybe software. (laughs) (laughs) And on your first point, I I have a comment... What was the rush? Why were they in a rush? Could they not test it? Why did they have to jump straight to an experiment to got a live human? What was the fucking rush? No, they were fine. Everyone was fine. Now you found them. But also, when they did get, by the way, inverted the polarity and glued oh. them back up again, which they didn't explain how the fuck. I forgot that I wrote that down as well as a question. I went, what is laser inversion? Because he just said, at one point he just says laser inversion. And I'm like, what the fuck is laser inversion? What is that? It's inverting the polarity. Right. <laughs> oh my God. I talked about shrinking all the things and the laser inversion. And then at the end of the movie, they blew them up. And then of course, right, they're having Thanksgiving. They shake hands and it cuts to shaking hands over the Thanksgiving table. And they have what we can only imagine is a giant turkey, which, <laughs> and a giant dog biscuit. And I, I, I had to think about it, but I'm really curious to know. What do you think about the giant turkey? Okay. Firstly, if you're going to get a turkey that big, why do you not have a bigger fucking table? What the hell is going on? Why is the turkey taking up the entire table? There's nothing else on it. Um, But yeah, it was like, okay, so it's like if shrinking is decreasing the empty space between the atoms, then is enlarging increasing the empty space, which means if it's on the same principle, then you still have the same amount of atoms. You still have the same amount of mass. So there's not good, like the turkey will be bigger, 
but there's not going to be more turkey. So it's just more distributed in space. So the gaps are, but there's not more food than a normal turkey. So it's like, it's like styrofoam turkey. But in the same context of this is what I was just asking you about the small stuff. Can you think of one instance where this would be beneficial? (laughs) Maybe your toddlers, just to make your toddlers more buoyant when they go to the beach. Line up, line up, parents, line up your toddlers, make them buoyant, and then they can go play in the water. I don't know what it's like to have a toddler, so I'm lost. (laughs) (laughs) They drown. (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. That's what I meant, toddlers. They weren't water safe. It's terrifying. They run away. Oh they don't God. listen. They're really quick. They disappear in one okay. second. They have okay, little psychopaths. So this, yeah, this makes sense. Okay, <laughs> blow up. Get a laser and blow your child up so your child is more buoyant. <laughs> no, if we blew the if we blew them up, there'd be pieces of them everywhere. Best line. Um, can we can we go to our competition? Did you yes. do? Okay. I did do it, but I couldn't remember exactly what way we were doing it. So you t- you, you start us off and then I'll... Yeah. All right. We had a competition between Abby and myself and we'll invite everybody else to enjoy. Uh, to enjoy. To participate in our competition and enjoy. And we... Oh, it's an acronym competition because you know how much we love acronyms on this podcast. Well, we had a contest of who can come up with a good acronym for the technology. <laughs> Terrible answers only. Abby, what is so, what is your acronym? So it depends on what, what this... So this is what I realized we didn't clarify. If we were creating a name for the project and then giving it an acronym, or if we were checking for the real name of the project from the movie and making an acronym out of it. So that's what I did. Uh-oh. So in the movie it's either called the shrinking machine or it's called Zelensky's shrinking machine so if it's called the shrinking machine and um, we're we're taking this is a thing out of medical acronyms if you haven't listened before then you'll know Frida's obsessed with a medical acronym right because the thing with a medical acronym is there'll be like 25 words in it and the acronym will not be made out of the first letter of any of the words they'll just pick random letters throughout all of the different things in the project and make up whatever word they want so the shrinking machine has the letters T I N I and E in it so my acronym for the shrinking machine is tiny (laughs) and then Zelinsky's shrinking machine has the letters Z-A-N-I-M-A-N zany man (laughs) they're my acronym very good what did you do what's yours did you make up a name for it or did you just I made up a name for it and I made up an acronym yeah I did make up up a name my acronym is so smurf God, tell me what did you call it? <laughs> so Smurf is. <laughs> oh, if you could see the video of her face right now, she can't talk. <laughs> She's very pleased with herself. It's, it's size oscillator with so much unilateral yet requisite falsehoods. At first, I tried to do so small, like S M O L. Incredible! Well done. I'm very, very proud. That's that was that's impressive. Uh, it's so fun coming up with acronyms um 
If you guys want to come up. I think we should make up, this a thing. Can we make a new, oh my God, Abby, can we do a new section? We'll do it in the science section in future. Oh my gosh. And we'll I, come up an acronym for whatever the project in the movie was. Um, acronym section, we're doing it. But if, if anybody here has an acronym they want to share, we're going to do a competition and you have to email us science at the movies at gmail.com. Come on, Mina. Come on, Mina. Send us an acronym. <laughs> we know at least sure. one name of one fan and it is Mina. <laughs> Send us an acronym. All right, it's time Malik. for... I know a name of someone. I'll do Malik's review at some point. Malik. <laughs> I know a name. I know a name too. We want emails, by the way, because have fun. Mm. All right, it's time for my favorite section, I'm pretty sure. And yours. Yeah. What the... What the... What the fuck? All right, welcome to What the Fuck. Abby, was there a moment in this movie, and I think there might have been five for you, but I think you might have been drip feeding them to me the whole episode without me knowing them. Was, was. is there a final remaining WTF moment? Off you go. So, my remaining What the Fuck moment. Uh Uh-huh. You don't know where your children are. You think you've shrunk your children down. You're so terrified that you're going to crush them even though you keep walking on the grass and dropping yourself onto the grass and being on the grass and squidgy um, stilt things and everything. You're really freaked out. You don't know where they are. You're very concerned about what might be happening to them. So you go to sleep and you get up in the morning and you sit down at the breakfast table and have breakfast. <laughs> what? <laughs> not just what breakfast. The-, the sunniest breakfast ever. The- what the... They're casually in the apartment, casually in their house, sitting down having breakfast. Why have you not been up all night trying to find your children? What the fuck are you doing? (laughs) It drove me crazy. Do you not agree? (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree with you that he's sitting there being like, they better keep their eyes out and is eating curious. (laughs) What was your what the fuck? That open mouth kiss, Abby. (laughs) <laughs> holy moly it was very much it was a lot wasn't it wow <laughs> wow amy o'neill wow she just grabs his neck and goes full on open open mouth and what the, yeah i just was like wow um and i just <laughs> also something about amy o'neill the actress is a what the fuck too that i read really? about her So she quit acting pretty soon after that when she started to get scripts that required nudity. (gasps) What the fuck? No. Ugh. Disgusting. I know. Isn't that just... It's a thing that comes up all the time, isn't it? And it comes up for us with women, especially in a certain time period of movies being made, 80s and 90s, Mm. where it was just normal. Like, it didn't seem like I, I I had that freak out when we did the miniseries with Hackers and Angelina Jolie. And I was like, the character is a school kid and you're having her do be like have full nudity, like not full nudity. It was um bare chest. Mm, but yeah. I was just like this, like you're you're displaying a, a teenager in school. You're showing her boobs. Like, Crazy. what is this? I know. What the hell? 
That, yeah, I think that would even your what the fuck for hackers, actually. Yeah. All right. Okay. It's time for final verdicts. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> did it? No, no. All right. Next <laughs> <Just> question. <laughs> All right. Next question. Did it pass the Here Comes the Science? I think that it doesn't. For any, wait, for anyone, if this may have been the first time you've ever listened to an episode, that one that Frida very, very graciously skipped over was did it pass the Bechdel test? Because fuck no, it did not. So anyway, yeah, sorry. Did it, here comes the science. <laughs> here comes the science. Did it pass the here comes the scientist? Um, Abby? Um, like, no. No, I think the answer is a unilaterally no, because we found it no. Because no. they gave an explanation. There's no consistencies. It makes no sense. They're literally wrong. They're literally it's wrong. bonkers. Yeah. So then it leads into the final verdict. And this is going to be a really hard one because mm. we have to do our moral duty and give it a low score. Yeah. <laughs> what are we afraid of what are we afraid of i don't know well you see it depends that's the problem i said it before we we we're supposed to be scoring based on whether the science is good or not and we don't do that we score whether we like the movie or not so well i'm giving it three ants i think we we, we score like sometimes the science is just like there's consistencies enough yeah. that we enjoy it yeah, but this true. one was so inconsistent and it made no yeah. sense. And no matter what, how I cut it, I couldn't justify it. So I actually have to give it two and a half stars. Oh, I do love the movie, but yeah. it's wrong. It's just plain yeah. wrong. And um, <laughs> I really hope that my sound, I was screaming so much. I, I, I just hope I it was it, okay. It sounds okay in my ears anyway. Okay. Well, like my score is because... I'm giving my score for the cast and the the fun and the joy of the movie and uh-huh. the marks that I've taken off it are because the science is so Bad. completely bonkers. But it would have probably have five stars for me if the science was done correctly. Yeah. Because it's a great movie and I love it. But yeah, no. no Three aunties. It's all wrong. All right, that was that yeah. was that was our uh, bonkers batshit choice. And next time it's gonna be a good science movie. And Abby, what is the next main episode on? I'm really scared to tell you. Wait, it's not time for Marvel yet. No, it's not Marvel. It's worse. Oh, my God. It's a good science movie. We've avoided it for a long time. Oh. It never felt like it was something we should do. But it's been a year now. We've been living this world a year. I know, I'm very sorry. We're doing Contagion. Oh, I thought you were going to say Interstellar. No, 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 not yet. We will at some point, but no. no. We just did Contact. It's too soon. It's too early for Interstellar. I struggled with whether I should or not, because even for me, like, I'm not sure how much I want to research the science right now, because we just see it so much. But then it's also like... We're living that world right now and it's a good movie. It's a great cast and it's like, yeah, look, we'll get into it in a couple of weeks. But um, yeah, very exciting. And I'm really excited because next week is episode um, Men in Black, isn't it? Three out of four of our uh, ack, ack. It's an alien miniseries. Ack, Mm -hmm. ack, ack. Sorry. It's alien miniseries (laughs) is Men in Black, which we're about to record. 
So we're going to leave you at Record Men in Black. Please send us your acronyms. Send us anything you want. If you want to contradict us about our low scores for how to get shot with kids, signs at the movies at gmail.com. Please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We'll read it out. We'll name and we'll celebrate you. And then we'll harass you to send us emails. Mina, please. Um, Instagram uh, at science at the movies. And then at Twitter, at movies underscore science. Please get in contact with us so we don't feel like we are small. <laughs> Aww. Aww, bye.